0: Stand together as we begin our second service. We're glad you came to the house of the Lord this morning. And the psalmist David encourages us. He said, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song, rejoice, and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of a psalm, with trumpets and the sound of a horn. Shout joyfully before the Lord, the King. This is what we have come to do today. We want to be joyful in our worship. We want to open our hearts and let Jesus just fill every square inch of the space in our hearts as we worship him jubilantly. Let's welcome the worship team. We're right here just after we utter a word of prayer. Let us acknowledge the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Would you bow your heads, please? Our Father, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords, we pause to acknowledge your presence, for there is none like you. There is none that is comparable to you. You created the universe. You sustain it. In you, we move and breathe and have our being. Without you, we're nothing. Thank you for the privilege Of coming together in your name to worship and to adore your name. We ask you to fill this space with your presence. Let none leave the way they came, but give us hearts that are grateful for all that you have done for us. We give you thanks. May you anoint, may you breathe upon the word, upon the worship, upon everything that will be offered to you today. May it bring glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name. And everyone agrees and says, Amen. Let's put our hands together and welcome the worship team. Led by Miss Shayla Brown.
1: Good morning, Church. Good morning. good morning, Church. Good morning. God is good. good Indeed, in all the time. God is... Hallelujah. We're gonna sing some praises. We're gonna give him the highest praise. So this morning, we want you to join with us as we give him our best praise. Amen. Isn't he worthy of your best praise? Amen. So don't be afraid. We clap our hands here. We move. You can move. We came to worship. This song is simple. It says, give him the highest praise for he is worthy to be lifted up.
2: Give him the highest praise, for He is worthy to be lifted up. Give him the high. working God He is a miracle working God He is a wonder He is a miracle He is a miracle
3: working
2: God God is a good God Yes He is God is a good God Yes He is God is a good God You say Yes, yes He is God is a good God Yes he What is. has He done Miracle working God, he is a
3: miracle working
2: God, He is a wonder, He is a miracle, He is a miracle working, He is a wonder, He is a wonder, He is a miracle, He is a miracle working.
4: He is a wonder, He is a wonder, He is a miracle, He is a miracle
2: working
1: about? Can you remember a time when God made a miracle happen in your life? Us being here this morning is a miracle. So many people didn't make it to see today, but God decided he wasn't through with us, and that indeed is a miracle. Can we give him some praise? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah. There's nothing like praising To do all of our days to praise Him. Let us give Him our best praise this morning. you worship here we are this morning lord to bow down and to declare that you are our god is he your god this morning he can be your god this morning our praise. He deserves for there is none like him. There is none like him. Human beings have been searching from before the earth was created and we still can't find any God like Jehovah God. We still can't find anything to be compared to him. We can continue to search and we will never find anything, any being, anyone, anything that could compare to him. So he deserves our glory this morning, for he is great. And he does miracles, Amen. so great. You deserve the glory
2: and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship. As we lift your holy name, but you deserve the glory and the honor, Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name, for you deserve the glory.
4: Oh
0: Some people love us because we're nice to them we take them gifts or we do them acts of service but the moment we mess up that love dissipates but not this one that we sing about he's not only a king but he's gracious and merciful and this is a very personal moment I invite you to hone in with God you may be visiting with us today and maybe this form of worship is strange for you but it's a personal God that we serve. We don't do the religious thing, we do the personal relationship thing. So at this time we invite you to join with us as we approach the throne of our King, our Father, as we go to prayer and uh, make it a personal time. Perhaps you need to reflect on God's goodness to you. Sometimes because we have difficult times, we think God hasn't done anything for us, but he's always at work doing good for us whether we deserve it or not. The scripture says he lets the sun shine on the good and on the bad. And the last time I noticed, my neighbors who don't go to church, when it rained, it went their lawn too. This God is very good. So I invite you to join with me in prayer. Open your heart. Maybe he'll say a word to you today. And those who are watching us by the World Wide Web, we invite you to join with us in prayer also. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the privilege of calling you sons and daughters. We thank you, Lord, that when we were lost in our sins and we didn't care beans about you, you still gave your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Today, as we come, we give you all the worship and all the praise. We give you thanks for not only providing the means of salvation, the means of deliverance from all our sins, but also you keep us from day to day. You supply us with all the necessities of life and we give you thanks. We ask you, Lord, to minister to each person that's here. Different ones are at different places on the continuum of their spiritual journey. And we ask that they'll connect with you. Holy Spirit, lead them to the Father. We pray that none would leave here without accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And for those who are watching us by the World Wide Web, Father, we pray that you'd fill their space. And that if they don't know Jesus, they too would acknowledge him as Lord and Savior. Remember the sick. Remember the afflicted. Remember the one that's mourning today. We ask you to comfort. We ask you to heal. We ask you, Lord, that you'd be gracious to provide for the one who lacks the necessities. Hear the cry of the widow and the orphan. Hear the cry of the single parent. Hear the cry of the one in distress in their marriage today. Hear the cry cry of that parent crying out for a rebellious child, a wandering child. We ask you, God, to hear and to have mercy and to intervene. And Lord, we pray for your servant, that as he brings the word of God, the anointing would lead from him to us, convicting our hearts, rebuking, reproaching, drawing us closer to the Father. We pray, God, that your word would accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. Father God, at this point we pray for a nation as we celebrate the memorial holiday. It's really not a celebration, but we give you thanks for those who have lost their lives for the good of this nation in the name of freedom and liberty for all men. We pray for families who have lost their loved ones in the service of the country. We pray for those who are are taking care of injuries, life-changing injuries. We pray that you'll visit them, that you minister emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. Father, we pray that we'll not just eat and celebrate, but we'll pause to give thanks for the freedom that we enjoy at the expense of someone else's life. So bless our nation, we pray. Remember those who lead us, that it would lead with humility, with wisdom, acknowledging that you are supreme and you're above all things. We pray for righteousness. We pray for justice in our country. We pray, O oh God, that all men will be treated equally. Turn the hearts of those in authority. As they make laws, may they make just laws that we will live quiet and peaceable lives. We pray for salvation to come to the White House. To the Supreme Court on Capitol Hill, that you'd save men and women of influence, that they may help to advance the gospel of the kingdom. Father, we give you thanks today as we offer these prayers to you. Remember those that are watching us by the World Wide Web. May you meet their needs and hear their cry also. And we rejoice in your goodness and in your loving kindness as we say and ask these in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. You may be seated. Amen. It's okay to applaud Jesus. He's worthy. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's coming soon. Amen. Amen. Those who are in the foyer, we invite you to come in quickly and to take your seats. I'm glad that you're here this morning. I know there are family members visiting from out of town. And some of you are here for the baby dedication. Some of you are here from college. And we welcome you whatever is your reason for joining us today. But if you're visiting for the very first time, we have a traditional living word welcome that we'd like to extend to you. And our deaconesses who are ushering today would be so glad to extend to you this welcome packet. So if you're here for the very first time, we promise you, you don't have to be afraid to respond. We're not going to be soliciting or embarrass you. If you're here for the first time, would you please stand so they can hand you one of those packets. And we won't be solicited. Thank you so much for your boldness. Amen. He's a leader who sets the tone. Amen. As soon as you get the packet, you may be seated. It's as simple as that. Thank you so much. And welcome to each of your congregation. Let's give them a round, rousing round of applause. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. You may be seated as soon as you get the packet. I guess you two are very special. Amen. God bless you. Maybe you're here for the second time. Is anybody here for the second time, second or third time? They also have a card for you. There's no one raising their hand. So we're going to invite those first time guests, if you'll open your packet at this time. There is a connection card. We'd like to connect with you. We're going to send you something in the mail A word of thanks so you don't have to be afraid. Please write legibly. We're not going to solicit from you. So we welcome you and we pray you'll be refreshed and you'll be inspired. And if you don't have a church home, we're a friendly church with a family focus. You're welcome to come back and be a part of this ministry. Amen. At this time, we invite technology to give us breaking news.
5: Good morning Church, I'm Rebecca Hamilton. And I'm Danelle Lee, reporting to you live from LWOBC studios with some breaking news. Attention all youth and parents, something special is coming up. What are you talking about Rebecca? Youth camp, it's quickly approaching. Registration deposits to youth camp are due by May 30th, which is this coming Tuesday. This year's youth camp will be held from July 23rd to the 27th. It will be a very exciting year and will include many different activities like basketball, swimming and much more. So, Rebecca, what's your favorite camp memory? (laughs) That's easy. Winning. Three times in a row. (sighs) Kids, if you want a chance at breaking Rebecca's streak like I do, make sure to get your parents to sign you up for an amazing experience with God. The Awana Closing Ceremony will be Sunday, June 4th at 7 p.m. Come out and support the children as they share all they've learned throughout this Awana school year. Following that, there will be a leadership meeting in the Original Sanctuary on Sunday, June 11th at 6 p.m. Leaders, mark your calendars from now. Also, we'll be having a financial seminar on Sunday, June 25th at 7 p.m. If you want a better understanding of wills, trusts, and investments, be sure to be in attendance. That's all we have for today. Thanks for tuning in. And and have have a blessed day.
0: day. Amen. Coming from our youth in LWBC studios. And I'd like to invite Sister Orlet Dunnegan to come at this time. She has a special VBS announcement. If you have children, grandchildren, neighbors' children, nieces and nephews, stay tuned. Come on, Sister Orlet. Big it up for Sister Orlet.
6: You've never seen anything like this. Welcome to a place where kids will build, explore, and discover that they were made by the ultimate creator, God. This is Maker Fun
3: Factory.
5: Today's kids are so creative. This BBS shows kids what a unique and wonderful creation they are. Everything's so hands-on even the decorations. We got to make the snacks and even invent our own games. That was so much fun.
7: This totally helps kids discover that they were intentionally created, that God has a really big plan for their life.
5: I like seeing the kids that were inventors.
4: It's great to see kids' imaginations running wild.
5: I've never been to anything like this before.
4: It's amazing to think of the change this is going to have on kids as they go back to their daily lives. They'll live differently, knowing that God created them and has a purpose for their life.
5: I can't wait to come back again.
7: Good morning, everyone. Were you listening? You were? Okay, everything that was said is true. VBS, Vacation Bible School, is the most fun-filled, fantastic week here at Living Road. And our volunteers can attest, right? Yes. Amen. This amazing, fun-filled, fantastic week will be July 10th through 14th. Dates? 10th to the 14th of July. Starting at 6.30 p.m. and ending at 9 p.m. So mark your calendars, parents. Cost? only a measly, measly $15 per child. And of course, if you have more than one child in your household, discounts are available. Registration begins next week Sunday at 8 a.m. after the 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. service. So we will be set up outside, so stop by your table. It's a family affair, which means it includes all of us, so we each have a part to play. And the first wave is our volunteers. So don't be afraid to stop me anytime, anywhere, anyplace and volunteer for VBS 2017. Have a
0: great afternoon. And look out for those shoes, she may be wearing them. (laughs) Amen, thank you, Sister Orlet. And high schoolers, you will get uh, hours, volunteer hours. If you serve, of course, you have to register with Sister Orlet first but we will give you hours so you can get a maximum of 15 hours in just that one week for serving, not showing up. So you have to register with her first, okay? You have special skills and talents, please go. She can use all the hands, but please register. Amen. I want to announce that um, there's been a winner for the raffle. I know, it was in 8 o'clock service. Yeah, I feel that way, too. My husband bought 10 tickets, and I was hoping to get it, too. So Sister Duma won the coveted tote bag and its contents. So we congratulate her, and we thank all of you for um, participating and supporting women's ministry. And we want to remind all the dads here, coming up Father's Day, we're having a very special service. Those of you who are visiting, don't stay away. The women are going to put on the most fantastic treat. Right, ladies? You didn't know that. Now you know. Amen. I think the men should be making the sound because they're going to be treating. Men. Oh, they don't want it, ladies. We won't do any treat. Still come on out. We're going to have a very special service. Pastor, I didn't hear you back then. You love sweet potato pudding. Hmm. All right. Okay. We're going to have the Adult Choir of Living Word Open Bible next. And they'll be led by Miss Christine Jobson. And she's standing in for um, Elticia Busan. So, would you welcome the LWBc Adult Choir at this? promise he'll take care of me. I don't have to worry. Just live right. Amen. Thank you, Christine Johnson. God bless you. Amen. Let's pick it up for the choir. They sounded like a mighty army. Amen. Good job, choir. Praise God. So we worship him in singing. We worship him in special ministries. We worship him with the Word, and we also worship with our giving, for it is in giving that we receive. Many of you may know a farmer, or you may be a pseudo-farmer, planting your backyard garden, and you know you can never reap a mango or aki or avocado unless you plant, right? So when we give back to God what he has commanded us in Malachi 3.10, he says, Bring to the house of God the tithes and the offerings. And he said he will open the window of heaven and pour us such a blessing that we won't have room to receive. It's in our obedience that he blesses us, not because we have a lot to give. So the deaconesses are coming because on our fourth Sundays, we take our offering Nigerian style. And Nigerian style because the Nigerians give happily and joyfully. They dance to come and give because they know that it's in giving that they'll be blessed. So as the deaconess come, I'm going to ask Sister Mendes, he should ask God's blessing on you, in your obedience, and with your giving. Praise the Lord.
7: Lord, we give you thanks. This another Sunday morning that we can come into your house with thanksgiving in our hearts. Lord, we thank you for having kept us during this week through many trials and challenges. But Lord, you have been good to us. We thank you for providing jobs for us with security, Oh God, and as we come this morning, help us to give out of our heart of gratitude, Lord. We thank you for the offering as we collect it, Lord. As the tithes are collected, we pray, God, that you will bless it and use it for the extension of your work here on earth. We pray for those who need jobs that, Lord, you will provide for them, that they also will be able to give into your kingdom as we ask these blessings in Jesus'
3: name.
0: the ushers are at the rear and they're going to direct you if you go from your left and then you return on your right so the ushers will direct you from the back and we invite everyone to come even if you have nothing to give please come so you don't obstruct the flow and then our first time guests we're going to invite you to bring the completed card the connection card and you can deposit it in the offering bucket amen so let the offering begin
2: What can I
3: say
4: unto, unto the Lord? All I have to say is thank you, Lord. What, what can I say, say unto the Lord? All I have to, to say, say is thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All I have to say is thank you, Lord. Unto the Lord, all I have to say is thank you, Lord. What can I render? Unto the Lord, all I have to say is thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All I have to say is thank you, Lord. Unto the Lord, all
5: I have to
4: say is thank you, Lord. What can I say unto the Lord? All I have to say is thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All I have to say is thank you. Thank you, Lord. What can I render unto the Lord?
2: All I have to
4: say is thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord." All I have to say is "Thank thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All
0: I have to say is thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. He's a good God. And we really give him thanks. No matter what we're going through right now, he's worthy. I know some of you are anticipating the baby dedication. We have not forgotten you. It will be done immediately after you get the main course, amen? So at this time, I invite our senior pastor, Reverend Carl Francis, if you'd come to the podium and he would deliver the word of God. Let's put our hands together.
6: Praise the Lord. God is good. And all the time. Amen. He is indeed a good God, isn't he? We have been uh, on a journey here. Those of you that have just joined us, we've been on a journey talking about how to make over your life in 50 days. What we call 50 days of transformation. We've been talking about looking at seven different areas of our lives. We're looking at our spiritual life, our physical life, our emotional life, or mental life, relational life, financial life. And so we're looking at all these various areas. We are now on the third section. And so you, if you want to join us, that will be a great thing. Where we are looking at our mental life, our health. Uh, and so this morning, as we focus on the mind last week, we sort of broke last week's message into two. And so I'm sort of trying to finish that up today. And so last time, I just want to refresh us for what we did look at. And for those of you that are new, you'll be able to get an idea of what we've been talking about. We've been talking about managing our minds. And we, we, want us, we said it is important to manage our minds. And we gave three reasons why. And they're very important reasons. And the first one is we must manage our minds because my thoughts control my life. That's a very powerful statement. My thoughts control my life. How you think will determine the way your life turns out. Because, remember, every action begins with a thought. And so I do nothing unless I think it first. If I move my hands, you know, you see how fast I move my hands? It is because my brain is so quick. By the time I tell myself to move my hands, I mean, it is almost instantaneous because the brain is like no other machine. No computer is like the brain. Man cannot make one like the brain. And so it is that I had to think it first. I had to think and tell myself, move your hands, then I move my hands. I didn't just move it before I think it. And so it is that my thoughts control my life. And the second thing we learn of this is that my mind is the battleground for sin and temptation. You know, the devil cannot read your mind, but he can put suggestions in your your mind. He can't read what you're thinking right now. Only God can read what you're thinking right now. But the devil can't read what you're thinking. But he can put suggestions in your head. And as he puts suggestions in your mind, that's how he determines as he sees how you react Gives him an idea of who you are, what you're like, and how he can attack you. Because remember, the devil is never about anything good for you. It's always, the Bible says, to steal from you, to try to kill you, and ultimately he tries to destroy you. That's his agenda. That's his modus operandi. And so we got to remember that. So my thoughts control my life, and the battleground for my mind is the battleground where sin begins. Sin begins with that desire. And so that desire within us, just as it began in the Garden of Eden, where the Bible says that Eve saw the fruit, that it was pleasant to the eyes and good for food. There was a desire in her. And then after that desire, the way temptation works, is that it starts with a desire and then you begin to doubt. She begins to doubt what God says. And so the, the serpent asked her, Hath God said... You shall not eat of every fruit. Is that really true? Is that really what God says? And so she began to doubt herself and doubt what God had said. And then as she, as she had the desire and then she has the doubt, the next thing is that she was deceived. What she was deceived on. Because the devil said to her, You shall not surely die. God says if you do it, you shall not... That's not true. You ain't, you're not going to die. And so she was deceived into accepting what the devil says. And then of course once you are deceived and you are, you fall for the deceit there comes defeat. And the defeat was she they lost their status. They lost their mental capacity where they were man lost out all of that and they lost out with God the relationship they had and they were driven from the garden of Eden. And the benefits they had in the garden The blessings they enjoyed in the garden, they did not have that available to them anymore. That's what sin does for you. Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and will take away from you all that you really want. And so that's the power of sin. Sin is a horrible thing. It is the reason why God is against sin. It is the reason why God is for righteousness. It is the reason why God is for what is good. And so we say he's a good God. And so I must control my manage my mind because I must control my thoughts because my thoughts control my life. My mind is the battleground for sin and temptation. And the third reason why I must manage my mind is my mind is the key to peace and happiness. Did you realize that your mind is the key to peace and happiness? What does the Bible says? The Bible says in Isaiah, "Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is." stayed on thee. When your mind is stayed on God, you will find peace. And can you imagine the Bible talk about perfect peace? I mean, that's what we all want. We want peace in our lives. And uh, somebody would say, I want peace in this house. I want peace on the job. I want peace in my marriage. I want, you know, and wherever it is, we want peace. We want peace in the world. It's a troubled world we live in. The world has gotten chaotic, as you can see. And now we're having crazy things all happening all over the place. You never know what's going to happen from one moment to the next, wherever you may be. Things have gotten really chaotic. And we need peace in the world. And the Bible says, for me to have peace in my life, it begins with what my thinking, my mind, what am I thinking? If I think depressing thoughts, it's going to lead me into depression. If I think, healthy thoughts, hopeful thoughts, is going to make a big difference in my life. And so I must manage my mind by doing those three things. And so we say to ourselves, there are three daily choices we need to make. Three daily choices. And the first one we said that we need to do is that I must feed my mind with the truth. Well, I need to feed my mind with the truth. You know, if I feed my mind with error, I'm going to operate based on on error. I'm going to operate based on a lie. And whenever I begin to operate based on a lie, it's going to get me into trouble. But if I operate based on the truth, because I need to feed my mind, since my life is controlled by my mind, by my thinking, I need the truth in me. So that whatever I am doing, I'm working on the basis of truth. You don't want to work your life on the basis of a lie. Somebody's trying to sell you something in a transaction and you're not sure And they say, they promise you all kinds of things. You are hoping they're telling you the truth. You don't want to to base your your decision on the the fact that they're, they're lying to you. And they're telling you something that is not so. Because it's going to affect you negatively. Now when I feed my mind on the truth, what is the greatest truth there is? The greatest truth there is is God's word, isn't it? God's word. So if I feed my mind on God's word... I guarantee that I'm feeding my mind on the truth. And so the second thing we talked about then is that I must free my mind from destructive thoughts. Every day, I need to feed my mind on the Word of God because then I'm operating by the truth. And then I must free my mind from destructive thoughts. Destructive thoughts. Remember, you're going along and you are, you're going along about your business and then all of a sudden a thought comes into your mind. Well, we have three enemies that try to sow thoughts in us. The first one is our flesh, or carnal man, my flesh. This flesh is all about pleasure and what feels good. Every time you look, your flesh wants to be prettied up, right? You want to decorate it, You like how you're dressed up this morning, right? My flesh likes to be decorated and dressed up. And then, of course, it wants to feel pleasure. And one of those things that passes is food. Isn't that true? Food is, is pleasurable. And so it tells you what to do. So you think, you know, you wake up one day, you say, people say, you know, I feel like eating some stew peas today. You know, where did that come from? That's a thought of the flesh. The flesh imposed that thought upon you. And then you said, oh, yeah, that, 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 that. And the flesh says, yeah, that would feel good. And then you're thinking, but I don't have any pig, I don't have any, I don't have any, and, and the flesh says, and I don't want no salt beef in it, I want pig's tail. And, and then you start wrestling with the flesh in your mind and you said, but I don't have any in the house. The flesh says, take up your body and drive down to the store. I need it. And you get in your car, you drive all the way down some many miles and pick up that, that, that thing. And you come back home when you cook it. And when you sit around the table and you eat it, the flesh says, it's good, isn't it? So good. And so it enjoys it. This flesh is all about gratifying itself. And so it is that. It's so. So I must feed myself with, get rid of destructive thoughts because some of the things it wants me to eat, They're not good for me. Isn't that true? They may taste good, but they're not really healthy. Like that pig's tail. (laughs) The stew peas may taste better, but from a health point of view, not the wisest thing to put in there, isn't it? So we want to be able to think, so I got to free my mind of destructive thoughts. So the flesh is one. The second one is the devil. The second enemy we have is the devil. The devil comes to us, and he comes with thoughts. You know, sometimes you, you do something and somebody says to you, you know, and, and he plants a thought in the other person's hand and says, you know why they did that? It's because of they're selfish. And you, you know, you did it out of the goodness of your heart, but the way that w- they looked at it and the way the enemy let them see it is as if you were being selfish. All they were trying to do is to set up an argument right there. Because remember, his plan always is to destroy. And if there is a good relationship, he wants to destroy. it. He wants to bring division in. He wants to separate. Anything that is good, you'll never, don't ever say the devil is good. God is good. And God is the only one good all the time. Now you can say the devil is bad and the devil is bad all the time. He is, he is bad. He's always about destroying and taking things away from us. And so we have the enemy of the flesh we have the devil and then of course the world the world is our next enemy and one of the one of the things the world does billions of billions of dollars are funded and spent every year to put destructive thoughts into us you know what that is advertising because advertising has one aim in view i don't know if you realize it advertising has one objective to make you uncomfortable with where you are, you see, it wants to tell you if you're not wearing this, you're nobody. If you don't smell like this, if you don't wear this perfume or this cologne, you're you you're not you're not into anything. It tries to. If you're not driving this car. You're not driving anything. If you're not, you know, it's always this is what you need to be taken. You whatever you or else you have taken is not good enough. This is what you need. Always trying to make you uncomfortable and, and, give, and tell you that you're not, you're not anything until you begin to take what they want. It is so the world wants us to fall into their pattern, into their way of thinking, into what is right. Because you know the truth of the matter is, you know, when you, if you ever thought about it, I don't know, you think about it really. There are cologne that re- and perfumes that smell differently, but in the long and short of it, when you get down to it really, What's the big deal eventually? Because, you know, you wash it off after a few days, a day, not a few days, a few hours. That's good. You're, you're alert. You wash it off after a few hours, you know, and then you go spray it on again. And then sometimes nobody even noticed that you have this stuff on. And then you said, but I paid. $300 for that thing. And then somebody went and paid $25 one. And you pay $300. And then, you know, so the bottom line is what we're trying to say is that we got to sometimes, we think that some things are, we are, we are so, the world tried to get us into their way of thinking. You know, it's the reason why every, every, almost every year they come up with a new iPhone, isn't it? So my son keeps telling me, Dad, you need to get rid of your iPhone. You need to get this. You know, you, I, I have the 5C, you know. And, as I, and I say to him, you want to try to get me the 7, you know. And I think the, club, you know, and so maybe the 8 is going to be out soon, right. Um, and then the thing about it, I said, it functions. It does what I want it to do. I don't want to just get an iPhone because everybody's getting an iPhone and join the line at Best Buy and stay overnight and camp out to get an iPhone. When my iPhone works and it does what I want, the world tries to suck you in and get you into thinking there we're thinking. That's a destructive thought, and we don't want to go that way. And so to keep a healthy mind, I need to do these three things. And the third thing that we want to do today is what I want to focus on today. The third one is this. I must focus my mind on the right things. I must focus my mind on the right things. And if I said the right things, and I said earlier that the Word of God is the truth, if anything is truth, is the Word. And if anything is right, would be the Word of God. So if I'm going to focus my mind on the right things, I need to focus my mind on something the Word of God instructs me to do. So today, we want to do that. I want to introduce to you a couple of verses of Scripture that really tells us how to focus our mind. So here is it. And I want us to read it together. Let me get back to it. Okay, so after two, let's read this verse together on the overhead. One, two. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, you also appear with him in glory. And I focus, I want you to focus on the phrase, set your minds on things that are above. That's what the Bible says. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things on the earth. And the reason why is because the things that are above are eternal. We need to set our minds on eternity. Because can I tell you, one of the greatest schemes of the enemy is to pull our focus away from eternity and to get us to completely be distracted and caught up with the things of this earth and with the cares of this life. And ignore the the next life. You know, the enemy doesn't want you to think about the hereafter. It wants you to focus on just now. Now. And gratified now, focus on now. And so society encourages us to take the short view of life. You know, I don't know if you heard about it. recently, there was a global headlines that was consumed with a person by the name of Ashley Madison. Ashley Madison had a website, and the website she created was for those people seeking to cheat on their spouses. Can you imagine a website like that? Somebody hacked into the website and found out that she had 30 million accounts. That's a lot of people. And here is the slogan for the website. Life is short, have an affair. That's the slogan. Life is short, so have an affair. And so, you know, this whole matter, which is totally opposite to what God is trying to tell us. Because God wants us to look not on the short view of life, but to look at the fact that there is something after this. And we need to be prepared for that. And so the world is built on immediate gratification. Living for the pleasant pre- pleasures. If we lose the meaning of eternity, and we fail to see life from an eternal perspective, we lose everything important. From God's point of view. In other words, we need to make eternity a reality in our thinking now. The truth, my friend, is that we are being prepared for eternity. God is building your character and my character that will last forever. And I want you to know this morning that whatever circumstances you face, whatever situation you're in right now, is not an accident. It is not coincidental that you're going through the trial you're going through right now. It is designed by God to shape your character and to prepare you for eternity. Now, he knows you more than anybody else. He knows your advantages. He knows your disadvantages. He knows what you like and you don't like. He knows your family background. He knows about your marriage. He knows about your education. He knows everything about you. And when he makes a decision, God never makes a mistake. And so God is not allowing you and I to go through something that is meaningless. There is no meaningless activity that is taking place in your life. Nothing is meaningless. Now you and I may not understand why this is happening. And you and I may not understand why this is happening even now. Because maybe right now is the worst time for this thing to happen. It could never have come at the worst time. But can I tell you, that's how it seems to us in our thinking and in our limited understanding. But you've got to remember that God does not operate in time. You and I operate on a basis of time. And so for us, the timing couldn't be worse. But for God who lives in eternity, when he looks at the whole scope of everything, because God sees the beginning and the end at the same time. So when he looks at that situation in your life, to him, it makes sense. It fits in. But to you and I, look in the limited way that we can see, this, this is the worst thing that could ever happen right now. But isn't it amazing how sometimes when we look back at some things in our life that we thought were tragic, that we realized was the best thing? Do you know how many people that I know, when they were fired, from their jobs, they thought that was the end of everything. They thought they loved their job, they wanted this job, this was the best job, and they got fired from the job. And that day, it was a very depressing day. It was the most discouraging day. But I tell you, you know those people went on to open their own businesses? And they look back years after and they said, the best thing my boss ever did for me was to fire me that day. That happens all the time. And so at the moment, in the short term, when we look at it with our limited understanding, this is the worst thing. And I was fired after I just bought a new house. I was fired right after I just got a new car. I was fired. I mean, this is not the time to be out of my job. But can I tell you, because you were so desperate, because you needed to pay for the house, You needed to take care of the car, your creative juices start flowing, isn't it? Now you start thinking, you know what, I better start something. I have a skill. I have an ability. Maybe I can start a business of my own. Maybe I can go and do this. And you start doing, you start making some moves. And before you know it, you start getting some jobs. And the next thing you know, things start turning around. And and it's just amazing. You look back years later and you thank God for that day when they fired you. I don't tell you. Some of you are going through some situations right now that you're going to look back later on and say, God, Thank you. It seemed like the bad timing to me, but actually it is the best time for you. Because God knows what he's doing. Can you give him praise this morning? He's a good God. And he knows what he's doing. And he's working on things for your good. You know that you know one? God is working things out for your good, right? That's going to be, this is just a theme song for uh, camp. Yeah, what's the name, title of it? Come on. He's working all things for your good. It's, it's, what's his name? Brown sings a song, or Travis Green sings a song. Intentional, amen. There you go. We use it last word. Some of you don't, you know. If this is where I had, if I had the ability, I'd punch intentionally start. You start hearing the beat in the in, in, in the music, so you could get what I'm talking about. God's working out everything for your good. Yes. And so it doesn't look that way. You know, here's a thought I have. What if those people who are in hell could come back right now? How different do you think they would live their lives? How would they treat their relationship with God? Would they minimize it? Would they think it's not important? Do you think they would spend less time on social media? Less time watching movies? Less time channel surfacing? Surfing? Less time on Instagram? Do you think they would spend more time in prayer? More time reading the word of God? Less careless about, they would be more careful about their lives and sin? And what do you think they would tell us about the way we should live? I am convinced, my friends, that they would tell us that the only truly valuable things in life are the things that pertain to the next life. That's really what matters. Eternity gives meaning to this life. When you begin to think of eternity, it changes the way you live now. If you ignore eternity... You live like there's none and you live for the moment and you live for today. But if you begin to live and take your and live your life in view of eternity, everything is different when you do it in light of eternity. Your lives and your perspective changes. You know, I want to leave three things with you that will make a difference when you begin to think of life in eternity. The first one is this. When you begin to think of eternity, and you realize what Jesus Christ did for us. Now, many of you have seen the passion of Christ, right? You saw the movie, the passion of Christ. You think that Christ would come and take such horrible beating because of a callous thing or because of something light. It is because he knows of the horribleness of hell. Christ knows how terrible hell is. That it is a horrible place and that it lasts forever. And he doesn't want any one of us to go there. In fact, the Bible tells us that that hell was made for the devil and his angels. It was never God's intent that one human being go to hell. Never his intent. But of course, the enemy deceives people and causes people to think, oh, no, 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 there's no such thing. You know, there's no such thing as heaven or hell. You know, there's just, a, you know, this is it. That's after it's over. That's it. You know, I was talking to, a, I was at the court the other day and I was waiting for my wife and she was on jury duty and I met another, another husband that was waiting and we were talking. And he told me what religion he was you know and he said we believe in reincarnation and I said he says, so he says you know I can come back as anything a bug I said can you come back as a bug he says yes I can come back as a bug and when I when I when I when I when I when, and when I finish my karma I go to heaven I said how does a bug finish his karma well he just doesn't do anything destructive as long as the bug doesn't do anything destructive, it finishes its karma and it goes to heaven. I said, what about that bug called, uh, that eats down my wood in my, in my house called termite? Now, how does that bug ever get to, 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 do, to finish its karma? Because it's eating down my house. It thinks it's doing good because it's eating wood, but it's destroying my house, which is causing me a problem. He says, you know, I never think about that one. I need to ask them about that. i got to tell you, we sometimes ignore what, is, what God is trying to tell us about the future. And we just focus on just now. But hell is a horrible place. And Jesus Christ didn't come die for the sake of just spending time in heaven. He really came so that we can avoid going to hell. Because, you know, it's, you know he, did you understand how the Bible describes it? Here's what the Bible says about hell. Revelation 21 says a place where men are tormented with fire and brimstone. It says, "But the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, who among the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death." In Mark, the Bible describes it as that. It says, "Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched." It is a hopeless intense suffering place. You remember the, in Luke chapter 16 when this rich man found himself in hell and the Bible says he looked across and he saw Lazarus the poor beggar in Abraham's bosom and he says to him can you father Abraham can you send Lazarus the man that was, had all those foot sores that the dogs were licking the sores at his gate. Now had died and was in the bosom of Abraham. And he says, can you please send him and let him dip his finger in the water and just one drop on my tongue because I can't take the storm in. It's a horrible place. It's not a place any one of us should go. It's not a place anyone should allow anybody to go. And so this morning, this, this, what I'm trying to say to us believers, we need to wake up and realize there ain't no business like God's business. There is nothing more important in life than to focus on eternity. Because no matter what you see around you, this building will burn up one day. Every vehicle out there will burn up one day. Everything you look up will burn up one day. Because the Bible says the earth shall melt with fervent heat. And God will create a new heaven and a new earth. All of what we have and see is going to go to ashes. And so one day it won't mean anything. What the devil does for us is that he makes us lose our priorities. When you focus on eternity, it causes you to set your priorities aright. In other words, trivialities don't become important. Things that look important in the long run are not important. In the short run, they seem like they're critical. And I'm going to make some statement. I'm going to challenge your thinking today. I want you to think. Not just accept what they've been taught in the past, but think it about it today. And when you leave here, I want you to continue thinking about it. Do you realize it doesn't really matter if the stock market goes up or down? Do you realize in the long run it doesn't matter whether we balance the federal budget? It really doesn't. Because in the long run, it won't matter in eternity. It won't matter whether you have $1 or $100 million when you die. It won't matter whether you have one house or 100 homes. It will not matter any of those things. And you know, by the way, a lot of people have made so much elaborate preparation for now. People have gone out of their way to make sure now is taken care of. I've known people that have worked hard and long and sacrificed. And they, they, they plan their time for, for, for when they're going to retire. And they never live to retire. So no, it's true. You can so get wrapped up in all of this that you forget that the most important thing is not this way. This is not my home. We are passing through the Bible, says. We are pilgrims in the land. And earth is only a temporary phase. It's a preparation phase. But we sort of make it like it's permanent. And we go through all the trouble. And we worry about this. And we worry about that. And we focus on this. And we fuss over this. And we fuss over that. All because we want to make sure everything goes well here. And then we ignore the life after. My friends, that's a deception. That's the deception of the enemy. You cannot ignore eternity and focus on today. You, nothing is wrong with making plans for today, but it must never trump eternity. The plans of today must be subject to your eternal views. In other words, it must be in the proper perspective. When you live in light of eternity, your priorities are organized in the way they should. You know what is important because the world wants you to think that trivial things are the most important things. But I'm going to tell you, my friend, nothing is more important than we're going to spend eternity. What is a hundred years on earth? If you live till a hundred years on earth. You see, here's the thing. If there was no eternity, and the Apostle Paul deals with that. If there was no hereafter, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says, if there's no eternity, let's eat, drink, party, be married, because tomorrow we die and it's over. That makes sense, but you know, you, do st- you may not have done statistics or you may have done math, but I, there's a simple probability that you can, you can understand. If I have two things, if somebody's pregnant, and you, there's a probability. 50% chance it could be a boy, or 50% chance it could be a girl. You have hell in heaven. For the person who says, I don't believe in these things. So 50% chance there is a hell, and 50% chance there is not. Now, I decide that I'm going to take the 50% chance that there is. So I make preparations for that. If you decide that you're going to take the 50% chance there isn't, and when you arrive, it is true. It'll be too late. But you know, here is the thing about human beings how we think. If the two of us buy a ticket to fly on Delta Airlines to New York, and if the both of us board the plane, and the pilot says, we're having engine trouble, 50% chance of making it to New York. All those who would like to stay, stay in your seat. All those who would like to leave, you can leave now. How many of you are going to stay? Very, I don't know if any of you will stay. You're not going to take the 50% chance of playing that's going to make it. But you take the 50% chance that there is no hell. Which is going to last forever. And will never end. Because if you take the 50% chance, the plane could make it. And if you take the 50% chance and the plane didn't make it and you're saved, you're gone to heaven Anyhow, you Did you know that? But you don't want to take the 50% chance when you're not prepared, not ready. And so everywhere you think about it and you look at it, we need to be ready for the next life. We need to be prepared. Don't become like an ostrich. An ostrich buries its head in the sand and tries to ignore as if there's nothing wrong. And the Bible doesn't call an ostrich pretty smart. It doesn't consider it a smart bird. It is very fast, but it's not smart. And I want to tell you something. We don't need to bury our head in the sand and think that everything is going to be all right if we have not made a decision to prepare for eternity. So the first, thing, the first thing is this. When we live in view of eternity, we get our priorities right. The second thing is that when we live in view of eternity, trials and tribulation have a different perspective to us. We have a different perspective about the trial we're going through. You know why? The Apostle Paul says this. I want you to listen to what Paul says about trials and tribulation. He says this to us. In, uh, in 2 Corinthians. He says, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, he says, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He considered what he was going through a light affliction. did you know how many times Paul was beaten with 40 stripes and they had Pieces of metal at the end of it, just like that, bet that beat Jesus. He was beaten several times with 40 stripes. He was shipwrecked many times. He was in danger with his countrymen many times. He had gone through so much. And he says, This is a light affliction. Why? Because when he compares his situation here with all the glory that shall be received in heaven, he says, What I'm going through now is no big deal for what I'm going to benefit later. You know, I used to think that way when I was a boy growing up. When I was a young boy growing up, my mother would bake potato pudding. But you know, in those days, we didn't have blender. We had to use a grater. Some of you kids have no idea what it that is. That's an antique thing for them. But some of you remember grater. Some of you remember that? It's a grater. And I had to go and grate the coconut or the sweet potato. And let me tell you something, that thing is sharp. And if you slip, your knuckles are gonna get it. And I'm grating that thing, and you know, and my hands slip, and I look, and I see all that. Ah, and it's painful. But you know what keeps me going? I'm thinking of hella top and hella bottom, but hallelujah in the middle. (laughs) Because you remember, in those days, we didn't have the fancy stove, Rebecca. We had a fire coal where they put the fire underneath. Then the pudding is in the middle, in the pan. And then they put the thing, cover over it, and then they put coals on top of that. That's hella bottom, hella top, and... Hallelujah in the middle. That's how we got that, Rebecca. Because you're you're used to your fancy thing. What in the world is pastor talking about? But you know, it's the the joy of the experience of what I'm anticipating eating that potato pudding that kept me going. It's the same thing with Apostle Paul. He says, when I look at what God has prepared for us, because he says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, the wonderful things that God has prepared for us. He says, this light affliction is but for a moment, compared to the glory that God is going to give us. Mine, he says, when I compare them, this is nothing to bear in light of what I'm anticipating, in light of the splendor, in light of eternity with God, in light of the time I'm going to have with God. This is nothing. I can take this for where I'm going. That's what Paul says and that's why we need to think about eternity because it puts our problems into proper perspective. So it gives us it it, it gives us the right priorities. It puts our problems into the proper perspective. And the the third thing it does when you live in a life of view of eternity, it puts people it gives people their proper value. You see When you begin to understand eternity, you don't think of people as just mere flesh and blood anymore. They are dying souls. They are souls that are dying that need Christ. And so when you look out and you see people wherever you see them, you, you may be in the mall, or maybe you're sitting at the airport or wherever you are, when you look around, you may be just seeing people traveling. But that's not what Jesus see when he looked. When he looked, the Bible says he saw the multitude and he saw there were sheep without a shepherd. They may be going here and running here and going this, but you know, if you ever knew the stories of people that you look at, just think about being in the airport and watch sit at somewhere and watch people go up and down, up and down, up and down. If you ever know the stories. That those people carry, you'd weep. Some are smiling, some are laughing, some are not, but they all carry a story. And there's some, some tough things happening in their lives and they need Christ in their lives. And so I want you to understand that we need to begin to think of people in that light the way God wants us to think of them. We need to value them. One lady, she wrote this. She said, four years ago, my life dramatically changed in an instant. Running to answer my doorbell, I got to get a new computer for writing. I slipped on the top step and fell all the way down the stairs, landing at the bottom in a heap. My husband quickly drove me to the emergency, and I ended up in the hospital with a broken wrist and heel. I was in a wheelchair for months with a cast on my foot and leg and one on my arm. From a human viewpoint, it made no sense at all. There were months of recovery where I couldn't do a thing. She says, during that time, I had a lot of time to think, which is what I'm asking you to do this morning. Is what I'm asking you to do when you leave here. I thought about life, she says. I thought about what was important. I thought about eternity. And through this unfortunate circumstance, God turned personal tragedy and lust into blessing and joy because he gave me an eternal perspective that changed everything. When you and I gain an eternal perspective of life, it will revolutionize your life. It will change the way you see things. you begin to realize that what seems so important is not really that critical. You know, some of you probably would say, I can never miss the NBA playoffs. You know, if something happens, you have to miss it. And then you just begin to realize, you know what? Not as important as I thought it was. Something happens and you miss the Super Bowl. It's gone. You missed it. And then you realize, you know what? It was not as important as I thought it was. But for the moment, you see, before something else trumps that, before something else happens that realize, you know what, I can't deal with that. I have to go. I have to leave the country. There's an urgent situation I must attend to in another country. And I will never be able to see the Super Bowl during that time. Or never see the NBA playoff. I'll never see the final game because of that. Because of this. You realize all of a sudden what's really important. We, tr- we make trivial things important all the time and we trivialize the most important things. Before you leave here today, I want you to hear this. I beg you, I urge you, do not trivialize eternity. It lasts forever. And the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after death comes the judgment. There is no repentance beyond the grave. There is no way to say, I'm sorry, God. I just realized I heard Pastor Francis said so. But I really didn't really. I, I didn't really think it was really so. I thought there must have been another way. It, God, can I get a second chance, God? There is no second chance. beyond. The grave. Nobody guarantees. Nobody Guarantees their tomorrow. Only God. That's why the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. The only time to get right with God is now. While you are breathing and you have your breath and you have your right mind, this is the moment. This is the time. This is the hour. I beseech you, do not put it off. The Bible says, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Don't listen. There's a thought. The enemy comes to you and he says, oh no, you don't need to make that decision today. You need to put it off. You can do it another time. Do you know how many times you've said that to yourself? Do you know how many times you've heard a message and you said, I'm going to do it the next time. I'll put it off till the next time. I'll put it out to the next time. My friends, you're not guaranteed the next time. You're only guaranteed today. We're going to sing a song. And we have time to dedicate the baby. But I want you to stand together with me. We're not sending you out. I want you to stand. I want you to sing this song written by one of the most vilest unbeliever anywhere in the world. He wrote this song. He was wretched. He was vile. He was evil. He was wicked. He was mean. He was a slave trader. He was foul-mouthed. He caused a lot of pain. He suffered a lot. But he wrote one of the greatest hymns Of all times in the world. I'm going to ask them to put it on the overhead. It's somebody in the technology box. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. When he wrote that song. He was indeed a wretch he said he was. He wasn't pretending to be a wretch. He was really a wretch. And so I want you this morning, as we sing this song, to understand that the writer of this song knew what he talked about. when he talked about the grace of God. And as we sing it, and you sense that you need grace, John Newton knew that he needed the grace of God. He says, I once was lost. But now I'm found. Here's the line. Was blind. That's what the enemy does. He blinds the eyes of our minds. So we cannot see and grasp and understand. But God wants us. That our minds eyes to be opened, So that we can see. Can you play?
0: Amazing grace.
6: that John Newton needed. Maybe you're willing to admit God I need your grace. You see grace my friend means undeserved favor. You're saying to yourself Lord I, 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 I'm not ready. I don't deserve. I don't deserve. I don't deserve your kindness. I don't deserve your mercy. But grace gives us what we do not deserve grace gives us what you and I cannot earn if you sense today that you need God's grace just for a few moments just slip out of your seat and come and let me pray for you as we sing that song we're going to send you back to your seat eventually but just for a few moments won't keep you very long. but you're sensing God I need that grace today or maybe you're realizing, God, I need to make right with you today. I need to uh, st- settle that question today about my eternity. I know there's a 50-50 chance, and I don't want to take the chance on and, and the other side where I don't believe. I want to believe that I'll be prepared and ready for the next life. My urge to you is not to put it off. My urge to you is as we sing it to come. Through many dangerous toils and snares.
4: Through many dangers toil, and snares. I have already come. I have already come.
6: come. This is the moment. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. Don't let the enemy tell you
4: another time. Us more and greater
6: And God, you're not here by accident today. You probably came here through many different ways, but it's not an accident that you're here today. It's not an accident that I'm preaching this message today. It is by design that God has sent this word today. And I want you to take the opportunity to capitalize on what God is saying to you. You need His grace, you need His help, you need His mercy. You maybe want to, maybe you've been drifting and you want to get right with God again. Maybe you, maybe you've been there before, but you want to say Lord today, I want to renew my commitment to you. His grace is sufficient. We all come by grace. We don't come because any of us earn it. None of us deserve it. None of us can earn it. We are all operated by grace. And so you are no different from us. We are no different from you. We come sail all solely only by his grace. So as we sing it, praise God, praise God. Will you come? Don't put it off. The enemy is trying to say to you another time. Don't go now. Move beyond that today. Move beyond that. Praise God. And do the right thing. God. Do the right
4: thing. Praise God. Your eternity
0: Praise matters.
4: God. Your relationship Praise with God, God is the greatest decision
6: you live ever have to make. God. Nothing supersedes that. you at the altar and maybe you're standing there, you can say this prayer in your heart. If you say God will hear you, you can repeat this after me. Dear God, right now I confess my sins. I don't want to delay another moment. I now invite Jesus into my heart to be my Savior. Today I confess Him as my Lord. I claim His promise of eternal life. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's the grace of God. It's only grace. It's no other way but His grace. None of us can earn God's favor, God's mercy, God's forgiveness. He's such a holy God. We cannot earn it. But I want you to know, when you will know that the decision you make for Christ is really the best decision, is when you're going to have to stand before Him face to face. Because all of us will have to give an account one day. My friend, that's why we talk about it. If there was no such thing. I would not be here today. I tell you, I'll be out partying. But I know with a hundred percent of every atom in my body. God is real. His word is truth. And He's going to hold me accountable one day. And as long as you came into this world, you will live forever. The question is, where will you live forever? And that decision is settled now. Not on the other side. Now. Today is the day. So I want to thank those of you that come. It is for your benefit. God wants none of us to perish. He's not built that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. So we want to encourage you. If you've never been water baptized, your next step is water baptism. You need to follow the footsteps of Jesus Christ. He himself was baptized by John the Baptist. In walking in obedience. That's the next step if you've never been done. And if you're making a recommitment, the thing to do is to get into the word of God and begin to read it and commit yourself daily, even if for a short time, but commit yourself every day. Because that's the truth. I fill my mind with the truth. Because my mind controls my life. How your mind goes is how your life goes. What you're thinking of, your thoughts determine how you survive. If you think you're a loser, you're going to be a loser. But if you think you're on the winning side, when you're on Christ's side, you're on the winning side. He's already won. And no matter what, you're going to win. You can't lose with God on your side. It's the right thing. Can we give these a hand as they return to their seats? You may be seated. We're going to ask the the baby to come at this time. We're going to dedicate Micah Alvin Brown, Mother Stacy, and Father Ashton is coming. And I want to read a passage of scripture as they come, as they prepare, Taken from Mark, Gospel, chapter 10, beginning at verse 13. And uh, the Bible says it this way. Then they brought little children to him, that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them and blessed them. That's exactly what we do. You do the same that Jesus did, takes them in our arms, lay our hands on them and bless them. But before we do, we always pray for the family. We always pray for you, the parents, because raising children in this society is a challenge. And you're going to need the wisdom of God and the favor of God. The wonderful thing, you've surrounded yourself with some good people. People that would be there to help, right? She looked like she could be a good babysitter. So, you don't have to worry. And so, it is that you have these surround family and friends surrounding you to stand with you and be there for you so you're not alone. Amen. So, we're going to pray for you first. And then we'll pray for Micah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this family. We thank you for these family and friends that have come together to support one another. Standing together because it is better together than alone. So, as they help one another. Stand saying, I'm here for you. We're standing with you. Lord, I ask you to give them wisdom. In whatever way they may help to raise Micah, to influence Micah with the things of God. May you order their steps and direct their path. May they be a blessing, O God. May you supply every need that the parents will have, that Micah will be provided for. So we thank you and we give you praise and glory and honor what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's see. I get him. Ah, Micah the prophet. (laughs) He's going to be a man of God. This is Micah and uh, as we ask God's blessing on him, he's checking you all out. I'm sure he's trying to say, did you guys make the right decision Pastor Francis talked about? <laughs> so let's pray. Father, we thank you for Micah. He's a gift. He's a gift from you. And he has that name. His parents have given him the name of a prophet. A man of God. Who loved you. The one who predicted your coming talked about where you would be born. He prayed that this Micah will be a mighty warrior in the kingdom of God. Oh, that the Lord would bless you indeed and enlarge your territory, that his hand would be with you, that it would keep you from evil, and may you never cause pain. Lord, may you ordered the steps of Micah, you sent him on a mission. He is here on assignment. And we pray that he will fulfill the purpose of God for his generation like David did. Oh God, we commend him to you today. We dedicate him in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Be blessed of God. May you provide for him, Lord, and may he never experience lack. Because the Lord is his shepherd. He shall not want. So we thank you for him. And we bless him in the name of Jesus. Amen. Anoint him with the oil. So Holy Spirit. He's checking about. He's holding on to you. All right. Blessings on you. Congratulations. He's wonderful. They have we'll take the picture. Congratulations. That's yours. Get a hand as they return. Let's all stand together. I want to remind the teachers that uh, we've canceled the meeting for this evening. If you didn't get that information, uh, we are not having the teachers meeting this evening. We're making it for next week at 5.45 p.m. So there will be no teachers uh, meeting this evening. It'll be at 5. There's another baby. Oh, did I miss that? Maybe they didn't tell me. Come on, let's bring the baby. Where is the baby? Ah, come on down. She's beautiful. Alyssa? Alyssa. Alyssa Olivia. All right. She's sleeping so peacefully. Man, she's dressed. on her face. Well, we want to ask God's blessing on her. Amen? No child is an accident. They come by design. God has a plan and a purpose for her life. And the greatest thing is for her to fulfill his purpose. So we're going to pray and ask that that be done. I'll call her Olivia. Is that okay? Her middle name is Olivia. All right. Father, we thank you for Alyssa Olivia. She's a gift. You sent her on a mission and a purpose. She's not an accident, God, but you formed her and fashioned her. And before you did, you saw your plans for her, all that you intend for her. And so, Lord, we uh, we present her to you today. We lift her up before you. Oh, that the Lord would bless you indeed and enlarge your territory, that his hand would be with you, that he would keep you from evil. May you never cause pain. Lord, order her step. Direct her path. Make her a blessing. Out of her life, may you shine. We thank you for her and we dedicate her as we anoint her with oil in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. She heard a strange voice. Be blessed. Congratulations. Come. Now you know that. And we'll get you your certificate. Okay? God bless you. Blessing on them. Let's well give them a hand as they return. Taking a picture. Oh, he's. that cousin or, or friend god sisters she's happy for her all right oh you yeah, paparazzi all right get them a hand as they go let's all stand together So I just want to remind the teachers again that we, we're not having that meeting this evening that we, as we had planned. We'll have that next Sunday evening at 5.45 p.m. in the original sanctuary. All right. As you go forth, may you have a blessed Memorial Day and uh, may we remember those who gave their lives so that we may have peace. Raise your hand as I pronounce the blessing of first-time guests. You're invited to our hospitality suite Our Sister Yvonne is at the back right there. If you take a look behind you, you'll see the sister waving there. She will escort you to our hospitality suite where you'll be refreshed before you leave today. We welcome you to go and visit there. They won't keep you hostage. They will just hold you for a few moments to refresh you and you can leave whenever you're ready. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. As together we say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of
3: the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Okay, our first time guest.